Hello and welcome to today's webinar, The DNA of Innovation. My name is Charlotte Brody. I'm the Global Head of Marketing for the Built Environment at BSI, and I'm delighted to welcome and introduce our two experts, Raoul Shah, Sector Development Director for EMEA Built Environment, and Abdul Karim, Client Manager for IMETA, and our Global Scheme Manager for the BSI KiteMark for Innovation Management. Raoul has worked for and with asset owners, main contractors, architects, engineers, and manufacturers. With over 23 years of experience, he's held leadership roles responsible for driving digital transformation, innovation, and leading on BIM strategy and implementation programs globally. During his career, Raoul has gained experience of implementing various digital initiatives on a diverse range of projects, from large-scale, multi-billion pound urban regeneration schemes through to hospitals, airports, commercial data centers, and more. He's gained thorough understanding of the risks and opportunities faced by today's global construction businesses whilst going through digitalization. And Karim began his career working in research and development before becoming a business development manager, where over a period of 17 years, he developed an in-depth understanding of client requirements. He then turned his expertise to management systems, and as a lead auditor, he has audited organisations from many sectors, including government, finance, and the built environment. And he serves BSI in the Middle East and Africa. So welcome, uh, Raoul and Karim. Moving on to today's agenda, um, I'll give you a very brief introduction to BSI, who we are and what we do. And then I'm going to hand over to Raoul, who will set today's webinar in context as he explores what innovation looks like today. And then we'll explore what comes first, technology or innovation. And then I'll hand over to Karim, who will share with us what are the enablers of innovation and implementation, how does standardization enable innovation, and he'll introduce uh, our innovation management solutions. And then we'll round off with further support for you uh, and close with our Q&A session. So moving on, I'll now share a little bit about BSI. Um, we are a global business improvement partner that includes the UK's national standards body, and we empower organizations across a range of sectors to be ready for the world of today and tomorrow. And whether it's a standard or certifying a product, a training program, our software products or remote audit or consultation, all of our products and services in one way or another make our clients more resilient and more prepared for whatever the future holds. Incorporated by Royal Charter, we are independent and free from any outside influence as all profit is reinvested back into BSI to help us to continue to support and drive further change. And collectively, in the built environment, we support over 21,000 different organizations around the world in 128 countries, and we're dedicated to helping all who work across the asset life cycle to become more sustainable and resilient. So now it's time for me to hand over to Raoul to set the scene for us and explore what innovation looks like today. Over to you, Raoul. Thank you, Charlotte. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining today's conversation, innovation. Innovation has been a constant factor for the development of the society, for the economic viability and sustained growth. And we've experienced, we've seen it, you know, throughout the history. And today I'd like to, you know, take a few moments, you know, just to remind ourselves that how we've been on that journey and what it looks like for today and tomorrow for the industry, for the sector. So if we move on to the next slide, I thought I'd begin with the definition, because there are many definitions of innovations. And what are we here today? You know, what's the conversation, the focus? Innovation, you know, sometimes people think innovation is a shiny piece of technology. But actually, it's, it's much more than that. It could be a product. It could be a new service. It could be a new step, change in a process or, or change in a process, right? Or model, method, all of those things. So innovation, you know, in today's conversation, I thought I, I begin with this definition so that we keep that in mind as we continue our conversation throughout the webinar. It's about 
either introducing a new new product or a service or a process change, you know, uh, to enable you to realize or redistribute value to your customers, to your stakeholders. Let me move on to the next slide, please. Um, as I began the conversation that how innovation has been, you know, in, 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 in the history, you know, has been a constant factor for, you know, the sustained growth for, for the development of the society. And if you look back to time and look at mechanization, you know, the invention, the innovation, you know, around steam engine, water and steam power that enabled not only the economic growth at the time, but also, you know, new manufacturing processes. That then led us to, you know, you know, the, the inventing, you know, and, and innovating around, you know, mass production and also introduction of electrification, right? And and due to that mass production, you know, then globalization, you know, and, and producing goods, for example, today we know that the parts can be manufactured anywhere in the world and then can be assembled somewhere in the world, you know, and, and that, that barrier, that, that geographical barrier doesn't exist. And all you know, thanks to the innovations around, you know, that technology, you know, that mass production, assembly lines, standardization as well, you know, because once you standardize a process, a product, then it can be manufactured anywhere, you know, in the world, you know, there are no boundaries, you know, there are no limits. And then we continued innovating, you know, and, and then we, you know, invented computers, internet, and thanks to internet, today we are all connected through around the world, you know, tuned into this conversation, thanks to internet, thanks to computers, right? And, and, and also, you know, introductions of robotics, automation. Then what was common we saw is, you know, through this mass production automation, one, one of the factors that, that enabled that was standardizations. And to give you a practical example, when BSI began, you know, the journey back in 1901, you know, with, with standardizing tram track gauges from 75 to 5 in London and also standardizing material property. That then became the first sort of, uh, you know, benchmark in terms of standardizing track gauges and material property that enabled, you know, that mass production manufacturing. Because once you standardize, you know, something, then you can mass produce anything. And if you fast forward that to today's world, you know, we are seeing a lot of you know, convergence of IT technologies, you know, digital and physical systems, conversions and integrations and, you know, all things around artificial intelligence, machine learning, you know, and, and digital twins and so forth. So as we can see that innovation has been a constant uh, for the development of the society, for the, you know, the, the well-being of, 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 of humans, you know, and everybody, you know, the whole ecosystem, right? So we continuously keep you know, innovating in the space and what it means to the sector, what it means to us and what's driving them, you know, today. So if we move on to the next slide, please. So what does it mean today and what's shaping the future, you know, for the sector? What's driving the conversation in the built environment? And if we, if we look at, you know, the, the emerging, well, not emerging, but, you know, the, the, the key themes and the trends, you know, are already there, you know, and that, that's shaping today's conversation, but also, you know, shaping the future of tomorrow. And number one priority for, you know, all businesses in all sectors, to be honest, has been and is uh, sustainability and climate change. And how can we improve? How can we innovate in that space with respect to circular economy, with respect to renewable energy now, you know, moving from steam water energy to oil and gas energy now and nuclear energy and now on to renewable energy you know and 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 how can we innovate in that space hydrogen power or solar power or you know and we are seeing a lot of innovations in that space for instance uh, the second key thing that we are seeing you know in terms of was driving the change in innovation in the industry is, is safety and well-being health and safety and how can we continuously keep you know, improving our, you know, improving the environment that we provide, not only to live and work within, but also when we are building and constructing, you know, assets. How can we provide that, you know, uh, safe environment more and more, right? And a lot of innovations around that space. Um, the next opportunity for us as a sector is urbanization, obviously, you know, that, that, that 
the demand for affordable housing, the demand for, you know, the resilient infrastructure, the infrastructure, you know, required to support the urbanization. And how can we make our assets, our communities, our businesses more resilient? And, you know, what can we do uh, in a different way to not only deal with, uh, you know, the immediate challenging pandemic situations and what have you, but also sustain the growth and be more relevant in the future? How can businesses add uh, more social value, you know, and how can we be more innovative in that space in adding social value, for instance, you know, and how can we connect? How can businesses, the governments, you know, connect more and more with local communities and people and provide that value, add that value, you know, in terms of social mobility, in terms of, you know, many other areas. And last but not the least, where innovation is actually relevant as well is, is customer experience. And we are seeing you know, as an industry, as, as you know, as, as, as also other sectors, you know, as a world, you know, we are moving from slowly but steadily moving from a product economy to experience economy. And when we move into that zone, that mode of experience economy, it's all about having constant innovative ways of actually interacting with the customers, you know, with, with, with ecosystems in terms of providing better user experience. So if we look at some of the technological innovations, you know, happening in the industry today, and I'm sure there are many more, but I'm afraid I only had one slide to include some of the key innovations and we only have one hour to go through. But I know this topic, you know, we could go on and on for hours and, and, and we could list 100 more technologies that are relevant today. But I just picked up, you know, some of the key ones that I think, you know, is shaping today's conversation, but also shaping the future for the industry, for, for, for the world around us. And first, I would like to call out, you know, that the whole, you know, initiatives and, you know, innovations and in our research occurring around artificial intelligence. We've seen, and we are continuously seeing a lot of uh, applications of AI around us. You know, in, you know, in recent time during, you know, the pandemic, we, we saw, you know, the governments, uh, you know, deploying AI-based technologies on airports, on, you know, builders, you know, main contractors, deploying it on sites in terms of identifying COVID-related risks, social distancing and all those things. But it's also, you know, AI is um, quite prevalent in the technology world as well in terms of, you know, capturing data and, and have the machine learning, you know, algorithm applied to it and then have an AI layer on top of it to, to make, you know, informed decisions, artificial intelligence, right? The blockchain is another one. Uh, you know, is, is also driving conversation today and, 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 you know, how can we introduce smart contracts, you know, and, and smart payment systems and, and so forth and, and, and improve trust. Uh, because that is something that, you know, the blockchain uh, is, is promising that having that robust trust element that you can trust the data, right? So I think that whole big data, AI, machine learning is shaping, you know, today's conversation, innovation, as well as, you know, shaping the future for us. And if I move on to, you know, the sustainability, we talked about sustainability, right? And the whole, you know, globally as well as nationally and businesses, a lot of businesses and, you know, investors, you know, investing into uh, renewable energy, you know, innovations, you know, funds, uh, net zero goals, and therefore, you know, the technology supporting, you know, carbon neutrality, but also circular economy. And circular economy is actually also supporting industry in terms of not only new technology, but also new business models. You know, as I said, moving from product economy to experience economy. And that's, you know, opening new doors for businesses in terms of business models, you know, how to serve customers in a better way, you know. Um, with respect to urbanizations, we talked about, you know, that the, the constant demands of, you know, housing, you know, urban infrastructure, rail, roads, and, you know, how can we introduce modern methods of construction, you know, offsite manufacturing, robotics, 3D printing to support us in terms of the rapid urbanization, you know, and, and, and demand around that technology. And then we have obviously, you know, the building information modeling that some of you may have heard and experienced and are implementing. But then now, you know, the conversation is moving towards digital twin and, and 3D printing is supporting that, that, that as well. And, Together with that, you know, we're moving toward the IoT smart, you know, assets, smart plants, you know, uh, and connected plants and machinery on sites as well as, you know, in, in our 
uh, assets as well. So these are some of the you know the key technologies, including of course the materials, you know the materials for new manufacturing methods and all those things. These are some of the key technological innovations, you know, part of today's conversation in the built environment, which I thought, you know, I just just highlight before we move on and looking at the global level initiatives. Next, please. Um, and if we if we just unpick, you know, a couple of uh, topics from my previous slide, you know, we talked about safety and, and it is a number one priority, you know, uh, together with sustainability and climate change. And we are seeing, uh, you know, increasing adoption of, you know, not only drones and IOTs and sensor-based data technologies, you know, reporting, you know, workers and, you know, machines and, you know, the data from workers and machines, but also, you know, having um, other AI-based technologies, you know, the videos and, and imagery feeds, you know, uh, feeding into AI system that can then, uh, you know, help businesses and governments recognize, as I mentioned, you know, AI deployed on airports, for example, you know, identifying COVID-related risks, for example. So AI is, you know, increasing the use of AI on construction sites as well as in infrastructure sector is rapidly increasing in that space in terms of improving safety, but also improving, you know, the carbon uh, circularity and renewable, you know, all those, you know, initiatives as well. Virtual inspections. Um, I was just reading an article yesterday, in fact, and, uh, you know, uh, one of the major tier one contractors have started experimenting with a drone inspection. Now, you may think that a well, drone has been there, you know, for a number of years, but what we are seeing now advancement in that is that, you you know, you can fly drones from hundreds of miles away from drone instead of standing next to the drone or, you know, on side and driving drone. And and that's going to actually open a whole new frontier in terms of, you know, how can you control, you know, this uh, virtual remote inspection from a control tower, you know, on, on major sites and, you know, in areas where it's hard for humans to reach for inspections, for audits. Um, and for instance, you look at the right hand side, what we've done in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, supporting our clients globally during this challenging time is, is we introduce a, you know, a form of a remote inspection and audit system using some of the immersive technologies so so it's becoming it's 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 becoming mainstream in terms of you know the use of virtual uh, you know remote auditing inspection in order to improve safety as well as most importantly improve carbon footprint because imagine you know reducing travel you know reducing all you know the t travel time you know the travel efforts in you know achieving that carbon efficiency as well the last but not the least, you know, one of the one of the indicators of innovation activities around the world is is you know if you look at the international you know uh, patent applications in 2020, despite having around estimated 3.5 percent you know reduction in global GDP in 2020, uh, we've seen um, almost four percent increase in international patent application reaching to almost. 276,000 applications in 2020 alone globally. And this is a record number in the history of, uh, you know, registering international patents. Couple that with the investment, you know, the VCs, you know, going into tech startups, you know, around 200 billion US dollar plus, you know, investment between just three countries, US, China and UK, for example. So we are seeing a lot of, you know, rapid growth in terms of not only investment in innovative technologies for green, for safer, but also, you know, patterns, you know, new technologies, inventions. We move on to the next, please. So, you know, with these innovations, as we saw earlier in at the beginning, you know, the innovation has been a constant factor for the development of the society, but also economic growth, right, and the sustainable development. And, um, and, and and there are a lot of efforts and initiatives around the world globally led by, you know, organizations such as the United Nations, as well as World Economic Forums, for example. So if we look at United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals, and in particular look at number nine, you know, goal, you can see on the screen bottom left, is focusing on how, you know, economies around the world can foster innovation in order to build resilient and sustainable infrastructure, but also promote inclusivity, for example. And, and you know, that is a, that is a, you know, a focused approach globally there. 
But also, if we look at, uh, you know, economies around the world, and there are many economies actually, you know, um, driving that agenda and that conversation at a national level, you know, through national leadership and providing great environment, business, regulatory, policy environment for innovation to foster. And look at some of the examples from right-hand side. For example, Singapore has been one of the, you know, the countries have always at the forefront of fostering innovation, you know, and, and culture as part of the, the national framework. They've got that, you know, that five years, next five years roadmap in place, but also not just roadmap, but also, you know, the right framework in terms of the funding, in terms of the tax systems, in terms of incentives and so forth. You look at UAE, for example, in recent years, you know, introduced uh, a national level innovation strategy. I mean, that's massive. And not only strategy, but also they started providing the right infrastructure, uh, as well as incentives and funding and, and, and tax systems for businesses to actually, you know, promote innovation and foster innovations. You look at Switzerland, look at UK, for example, you know, there are national level, you know, frameworks, initiatives, you know, supported by the highest leadership, you know, government level leadership. And, and, and also supported by public and private sector, uh, as well as academia and research institutes. Look at South Africa, for instance, you know, and, and, and this is very interesting, you know, that they've, they, they've changed, in fact, their, you know, department name from science and technology department of science and innovation. Innovation is so critical in terms of, <coughs> excuse me, in terms of supporting that development of the society and, you know, the national growth, you know, economic growth. And last but not the least, uh, in recent months, we've seen the new administration in the states, you know, announced or proposed a plan, quite a massive, big plan, you know, in terms of a heavy, you know, investment in infrastructure plan. And part of that big element of that is research, focus on research and innovation. So we can see at a global level, organizations such as UN, United Nations, World Economic Forum, you know, driving innovation agenda, uh, as well as a national level, you know, leadership you know, provided to promote and foster innovation as well. If we move on to the next slide, let's just go one step further, you know, from global to national to, you know, the client level leadership in terms of driving innovation, in terms of fostering innovation, in terms of, you know, um, providing an environment to manage, and you know, uh, and scale innovation in a systematic way. And, and you know, I, I thought I'd pick up these uh, two of the biggest, uh, you know, infrastructure projects that we've seen in the UK. You know, on the left hand side, we've got Crossrail, which is very much in a, you know, in a, in a trial mode now and should be operational next year. And, you know, since sort of, you know, 20, sort of early 20, 2010 onwards, you know, we've seen, you know, initiatives on that project and they implemented a, a, a systematic approach to managing innovations right from the strategy, innovation strategy, all the way through to uh, a detailed Innovate 18 program. And they engaged and collaborated with the entire supply chain and ecosystem in terms of fostering innovation throughout the program and, and enabling businesses in, you know, in that innovation program. And one of the lessons that they, they captured and shared with the industry is that, you know, the firms who were part of that program have recognized now the value of formalizing innovation management processes and investing accordingly. Now, I'm not talking here about innovation, innovation itself and innovating a technology. I'm talking about the managing, you know, innovation ideas, innovations, and how can we manage it in a systematic way. On the right-hand side, we have, uh, you know, the second example is HS2, you know, the largest uh, current, you know, infrastructure project that we are going through in the UK. And they have their aspiration to leave a legacy of innovation. And as part of their aspirations, they have recognized that having a common framework and having a common language for managing innovation, for fostering innovation, cascading it down through the entire supply chain is very, very important in terms of leaving a legacy benefit that businesses of all size and shape can benefit from, right? So, so these are a couple of uh, client level leadership examples I thought I'd share with you in order to emphasize, uh, you know, on the fact that, you know, you've got to have not only global level leadership and, and the country level leadership, but also clients and businesses need to, you know, have a role to play in terms of providing the right level of leadership in fostering innovation culture. We'll move on to the next, please. Uh, through our uh, engagement, and we click next, and through our engagement with the industry, 
what we you captured, and I thought I summarized that uh, here as well for you um, as a takeaway, is that you know the, the client level, and when I say client, is 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 any organization that is appointing other organizations, you know, for work. For example, you know, HS2 as a client appointing architects, engineers, you know, the design consultants, main contractors. So from client level, in terms of providing client leadership and fostering that innovation culture, there are some of the common challenges that we noticed and observed through our engagement globally that the clients were facing and are facing. And number one, as I mentioned in my previous slide, has been and is always, you know, is how can we formalize the innovation management process and program in order to accelerate, but also, you know, qualify new suppliers during procurement. So how can you accelerate innovation adoption? How can you qualify you know, new suppliers in a consistent way, in an efficient way during procurement? How can you align your supply chain with your innovation vision and objectives, for example? So these are some of the common <clears throat> challenges that that clients face in terms of providing their leadership. And and and, and by having the standardized approach, uh, and my, my, my colleague, uh, Abdul Karim, will talk about that in a minute, you know, how uh, we can support and the standard can support you overcome some of these challenges. If we click next, please, and uh, not only from clients' point of view, but you can see that there are some key challenges then from suppliers' point of view people face. And when I talk about suppliers, think about you know, the product manufacturers, subcontractors, main contractors, design consultants, you know, in terms of implementing, you know, that innovative culture, the framework within the business in order to respond to clients' aspirations and, 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 and vision. And, and some of the challenges, you know, are, are, you know, how do we, for example, capture the value of innovation in a systematic way, consistently, as well as how can we protect our IP and what's the management process around it? How can we identify risks from suppliers' point of view in terms of innovation and innovation management? And, and, and the most important one, to be honest, has been, and a common theme has been promoting the culture of innovation that promotes, you know, that constant thinking of innovation, innovation ideas, and so forth. So these are some of the challenges I thought, you know, I share with you and, and keep that in mind as we move into the next phase of the conversation. My colleague will, will, will elaborate a bit more on these challenges and how to overcome these. Go on to the next, please. <clears throat> and uh, in the last uh, uh, few slides, you know, I'd like to <clears throat> articulate this particular, you know, what are some, some of the key ingredients in terms of successful management of innovation, right? And, and I'd like to call out this, uh, you know, three key ingredients in terms of people, process, and technology. And one could argue that, you know, these three ingredients are, you know, quite, quite you know, common, right, for any change program. And, and, and it's right, because if you look at innovation, it's, it's, you know, people are at the heart of innovation, you know, having that passion, having that clear ownership, you know, having that curiosity in terms of, uh, you know, challenging the status quo and coming up with new ways of working and, and having that mindset and culture, right? So people are at the very heart of innovation and that's, uh, we shouldn't underestimate that ingredient. Um, then the next, uh, you know, ingredient, um, in my opinion is, is having that leadership support and having that leadership in terms of the, you know, the policy at the business level or, or regional level or country level and having the strategy in terms of the roadmap. Um, we saw that how some of the economies had, you know, next five years innovation roadmap, for example, in place and having, you know, the right procedures and protocols in terms of not only capturing innovative ideas continuously through your employees, but also filtering them and supporting those ideas with resources and, 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 and awarding, you know, and, and rewarding success. And last but not the least is providing the right technological environment, you know, whether it's the computers, whether it's software, whether it's IT infrastructure. And when I talk about hardware, it's not just computers, but also innovation lab, manufacturing lab, or 3D printing machine, whatever, you know, that require tools uh, in, 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 in supporting the innovation ideas and innovation, you know, thinking. Moving on to the next, please. And, um, and just to just to share with you and my colleague Abdul Karim would talk a bit more about this, just to share with you then how we uh, started looking at this innovation management and started supporting businesses almost a couple of years ago when we started with Costain in here in the UK, started looking at how can we support informalizing innovation management if that is one of the challenges. 
and and that was and then we started looking at you know the international best practice call it iso 56000 series and see how we can support you know uh, developing you know the international sort of global benchmark in terms of formalizing innovation management system and we worked with and throughout the last two years you know we worked with i3ps here in the uk hs2 but also with scanska polyfide gamon and other businesses as well in terms of uh, validating that idea that thinking also developing that idea further with the industry and developed a framework call it a bsi innovation management type mark and we developed that framework in terms of providing that independent validation in terms of your innovation management and maturity and capability and my colleague you know karim as i said you know would talk a bit more about that innovation management kite mark now uh, after 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 this session so with that i would like to hand over to our charlotte brody and uh, thank you for tuning into the conversation over to you charlotte thank you raul uh, some great insight there from global right down to what's happening on the ground at client level um so now it's time for our poll uh and we would very much like uh, to invite you to answer this question for us um in your opinion what comes first is it innovation um is it technology or is it something else and uh, to help you take part um you might want to just step out of full screen mode um some people find it a little bit easier um if that doesn't work then just send us your comments in the in the comments box and um whilst i'm waiting for those results to come in just to remind everybody on today's webinar we're going to be sharing a copy with you after the session um once you complete the survey at the end and you can receive your own copy for future use plus some also some additional links to useful resources uh and things that we think you might find of interest for further reading so i would just like to now ask if the uh results could be shared on the screen and we'll have a look and i can see um that innovation is the top answer um so 67% um have said that innovation comes first 27% have said it's something else and 7% have said it's technology so thank you for uh for your thoughts on that i'm now going to hand over to um Abdul Karim to comment and uh Karim perhaps you'd like to also um share your observations and then I'll hand over to you for the rest of the session. So I'm just waiting for uh Karim to uh to join us. Uh he was here a few moments ago. I'm Hello, sure he's sorry, still with us. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Unmute. Unmute. Sorry, that's it. Yes. <laughs> Not a problem. Over uh, to you, Karim. Yeah. Thank you so much, Charles, and uh, thank you, Rahul, uh, for your uh, valuable information that you have shared with us. Um, actually, this is really very interesting to see the the results of the poll question when the big percentage uh, going to the uh, to the innovation. But uh, <clears throat> in in uh, in my opinion. Uh, both comes together like uh, when we talk about the innovation and the technology both have like a complementary relationship to achieve the intended uh, outcome but i can say there is something else which is come first which is the thinking approach or the idea this is always comes first if the idea is innovative will lead to a new technology but still also uh this either to be implemented it might need other technologies as well so i believe it's uh, uh something else comes first which is the idea which is coming from the the dna uh aspect uh, the first dna aspect which is people so so i believe first it comes the idea from the people and then innovation and technology come together as there is a complementary relationship between them So this is my thought about the question it's really interesting question and uh, I was uh, actually surprised with the result which is uh, um, will help me in the next uh, uh, slides to um, explain about the innovation 
and how the innovation implemented within the organizations, what kind of aspects and the enablers that the organization want to look at, and also how they have to measure and value their uh, innovation. So, Charles, please, if you if we can go to the uh, next slide. So, as I mentioned, the the aim of uh, next uh, slides is to take you to the journey of effective innovation management system, which I will start uh, this journey by the uh, innovation enablers that any organization shall take it into consideration when they want to uh, implement and manage uh, innovation system. But first, allow me to align the DNA of innovation, which is our subject of today and what have been mentioned by uh, my colleague Rahul about the people, process, technology, and the uh, strategic intent. But first, I want to start with strategic intent. As we all know, the achievement of, uh, of organizational vision is the main objective to the top management and the employees as well. That's why uh, the strategic objectives are extracted from the organizational visions, which lead to building all process and procedures, KPIs, required budget, and required resources to achieve this organization vision. To implement innovation and integra uh, integrate it in your process and procedure, the organization needs to have innovation vision or at least uh, innovation strategic objectives to embedding the innovation in its process and procedures. That's why strategic intent is one of the DNA, uh, uh, innovation DNA. Uh, the second also uh, uh, DNA aspect, which is uh, the people, this is actually also need to be uh, put into consideration when you uh, develop or implement innovation system in the organization. If the, um, if the, uh, the people are not empowered by competency, budget, or a time uh, to implement the approved ideas and innovative ideas and innovative projects, and also, if they are not empowered or supported by the tools like software, hardware, technologies, such as innovation labs and, and, and innovation session, then it might also uh, lead to an effective uh, innovation system in the organization. So, in the right side of the presentation, you can find that we have identified some of innovation enablers, like innovation vision. As I said, in order to embed the innovation uh, uh, system in the organization and in the process and the procedures of the organization, you need to have innovation vision uh, to be aligned with the organizational vision, or at least there is some strategic objectives in place. Also, risks and opportunities identification, because uh, this is one of the planning aspects. Uh, um, um, okay, I have some uh, objectives in place, have been defined by the organization, but I didn't define what kind of risks it might impact this one. So this is also one of the tools that need to be used by the organization to help them to uh, uh, face any changes or face any unforeseen uh, disruption events might have an impact in their operational objectives. Innovation policies, and this is actually something related to the innovation culture, which we will talk about it in the uh, next uh, uh, slides. Innovation techniques, this is also one of the enablers. Uh, there is a different techniques related to innovation. The organization needs to, to just make sure what kind of uh, or what type of innovation they are going to uh, implement. Is it an open criteria innovation or open technique innovation or it's closed technique innovation. And just allow me to explain what open innovation mean and, and the closed innovation mean. Open innovation mean that the company is open to receive ideas from external stakeholders, not only from their own employees or, or their internal uh, stakeholders, but also from external stakeholders, 
uh, and this is actually inbound and outbound as well because it might also the company aim is to submitting ideas to the sector. So this is what we are calling open innovation. Closed innovation means that the ideas will be uh, uh, submitted, generated, developed, implemented by the organization, organizations themselves. Those the two types. And I'm not mentioning that to to say that maybe there's one better than the other, but actually both are need to be implemented in any organization. You need to be open to the <clears throat> external stakeholders and the collaboration have an effective collaboration system. And also you are you need also to engage your employees in, internally and the organization to submit ideas and fostering the innovation culture. That's why in the next slide, I want to uh, 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 mention one of the most important uh, uh, enabler, innovation enabler, which is innovation culture. As I mentioned in the previous slide, there's a lot of enablers in place and still the companies might may commit to all these requirements. But the, but the innovation system might not succeed. And uh, the main reason is the culture impact and the needs to be fostered by the top management. So if the organization want to have an effective innovation uh, management system, we'll need to embed some requirements which will foster the innovation culture in the organization, such as policy. As you know, the effective communicated policy will send a clear message to the employees about the organization commitment and it's also it's obliged to be implemented by all employees. <clears throat> but this is not the, the only aspect that helps the organization uh, uh, change the culture or to embedding the culture. Organizations also need to foster the ownership. As as all you know that innovation is one of the subjects that not a responsibility or a role for uh, one team or to a dedicated per person saying, okay, this is the innovation manager, just taking care of everything. It's actually the responsibility of the all organization because the ideas always coming from the people who are involved in the uh, the process and the procedures and they are the expert about what they are doing. So to have an, 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 an effective uh, innovation culture and to uh, develop the, the ownership, the, uh, the companies and organizations need to make sure that the submitting ideas directions need to be both ways, from up to down, from top management to the last level in the organization chart, and vice versa as well. But sometimes the employees need encouragement through an awarding system or incentive scheme because, okay, I have put some policies in place. I have put all requirements related to the tools that they might use and, and also might the organization. And sometimes I have seen it in some organizations have developed personal objectives to be evaluated and reviewed uh, during the performance appraisal session. But still, one of the things and, or, or one of the uh, successful tools that found it's really helped to embedding the innovation culture is the awarding system and the incentive scheme, which is, will encourage the employee to submit more ideas and think uh, differently. Also, one of the aspects or one of the tools that um, also embedding the innovation culture in any organization is the competency. You know, the competency also is a challenge because the organization might have agreed technical uh, competent people, but they are not able to generate ideas and don't know the difference between the ideas and the suggestions, for example. That's why training is one of the of culture fostering as well. Another practice that impact the innovation culture and really do need uh, to demotivate uh, uh, people to generate the ideas is the way that the decline message uh, messages of the ideas communicated to the idea generator. 
So sometimes the, uh, the employees are encouraged to submitting a lot of ideas, but all these ideas always declined. But when it's declined, I'm just communicated to the, uh, uh, the, the employee that your idea have been declined, but without giving any reason. So it's very important to maintain your innovation culture is also to give reasons for why this ideas have been declined. It might be it's already implemented or on plan or no, don't have budget to implement this idea now and so on. So this is a very important uh, practice that needs to be implemented in order to foster the innovation culture. There's also uh, one of the uh, uh, tool which is also might have an impact on the innovation culture is the time. You know, um, um, uh, it might be the organization has implement the all above tools that require to uh, um, implement and embedding the culture, but doesn't give the employee the enough time to implement the idea that have been already approved. This is also will lead to uh, ineffective innovation management system. But what type of innovation that the organization used to embed the innovation in the, in the, in the, in the processes? Here comes the importance of the standards. So in the, in the, in the next slide, you'll find that here is the high level structure. Uh, uh, but before I digging deeply in uh, ISO 56002 guideline requirements and our innovation kite mark solution requirements, I need first to align the standard structure in general with the innovation enablers that we have explained. You can see on the screen the high-level structure or HL, HLS, which is using by the standardization bodies and ISO organization in order to uh, develop, write, or to amend any uh, standards and guidelines. The, these seven uh, main clauses help you to understand the alignment between what we have explained in the previous slides about the enablers, about the innovation culture aspect and requirements related, or the tools that help you to fostering the innovation culture, and what the ISO 56002 guideline uh, uh, requirements and our innovation kite mark solution requirements as well. So you can see in the in the first clause talking about the context of the organization, asking the implementers to start to look at the internal external factors, the strategic objectives, the vision, the mission. So. It's a planning phase to make sure the standards you want to implement will be integrated in your process and procedures. And this is what we have mentioned before in the strategic intent as one of the enablers. Also, it's asking for the internal, external stakeholders, uh, identifying their needs and expectations, giving you a clear picture about what required to be embedding the policies and the system requirements in the organization. Then comes the leadership clauses, uh, which is identifying uh, um, uh, the developing of the required policies, the management commitment, uh, assigning the rules and responsibilities to improve the governance system within the organization. Then comes the, uh, the, the third clause, which is the planning. And this is to identify the operational objectives and risks related, which might have an impact on achieving these objectives, and to improve the agility of your process and procedures. Support clause after that, which is talking uh, and identifying the required resources, the competences, and the culture awareness requirements. And all previous clauses I have discussed now, or I have explained now, starting from context, leadership, planning, and support, this is uh, under the plan cycle part. Um, I, I believe all of us know about the BDCA uh, cycle, BDAC cycle. So uh, uh, the, after that, it comes the, uh, 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 the operation close. And then here, the organization will start to developing and control 
uh, their internal procedures, which is this is the do cycle, and the last two uh, closes. Uh, performance evaluation and the continual improvement. This is to identify the right KPIs to measure uh, 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 their uh, performance and also to act to any continual improvement will be required. So this is the high-level structure requirements in general that any standard are using. And the in the in the next slide you'll find that. Actually, ISO 50002 is using the same structure. It's based on the same structure. So ISO 56002 is talking about context of organization, uh, leadership, planning, uh, support, operation, performance evaluation, and uh, uh, improvement and continual improvement. Um, uh, in BSI, we have used the ISO 56002 as a guideline to develop our solutions, which is Innovation Management System Kitemark. We have defined um, uh, eight key aspects to uh, innovation that could be measured by the organization, which is the strategic intent, vision, and commitment, the innovation governance, planning, innovation culture, resources, operation, innovation techniques, and also the key performance uh, indicators. And we have already <clears throat> defined some requirements for each aspect, which you can see in the next slide that for each aspect, we have defined some important requirements need to be implemented by the organization. So for strategic intent, we find the vision and commitment, which we have talked about before as one of the enablers. In the innovation governance, you find policies, the functions, the collaboration system required, the IP management system required. In the planning aspect, you will find innovation objective, the innovation risk opportunities. In the culture embedding, it's also one of the enablers that we have uh, discussed and explained in the previous slides, talking about how to be embedded, the incentive schemes, requirements the reward mechanism and also the culture assessment because this is very important to assess your culture and measure your culture and see how it's embedded and if it's effective, effectively embedded or not. Also, the, the, the resources and operations aspect. When we talk about the budget required, the documented procedures as per the ISO 56002, and the innovation techniques, the types of innovation, if it's open or closed innovation, as we discussed, and also the KPIs, which is the most important uh, aspect that our solution, innovation Kitemark solution, looking for. So if I went to the last slide, uh, I have in, 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 in our subject related to the journey of implementing or journey of effective innovation management system, it's talking about how the companies or how the organizations uh, will measuring the value of innovation. This is actually how the kites mark, our kites mark measuring the value of innovation, which is very important to check if your system is effective or not. The companies need to develop a formula of inputs, throughputs, and outputs KPIs in order to be able to measure their effective innovation. And let me give you an example. So if my input KPI as an organization is to check the number of ideas submitted by the employees. And let's say I have a 200 employee and found the result that only 50 ideas have been submitted. This is what leads to output KPI, which is how many ideas were available ideas to be implemented. It might be three, it might be four ideas. And here you can see that number of submitting ideas comparing to the number of, of, of employees might be not an acceptable level, which lead to a throughput KPI related to culture embedding. So I might need to measure my culture embedding practices in order to make sure. Another example, if from this 50 ideas submitted, only four ideas found valuable and then this is, might lead to another uh, throughput KPI, which is the employee's competency level to generate ideas need to be enhanced. You can see from this example that 
when you have the correct formula, KPIs will lead to the right direction of continual improvement and an effective innovation system. So the conclusion uh, uh, is for any innovation management program, the key is to be able to measure the results and value. The SI Kite Mark is actually a solution for organizations looking to realize true value for their innovation management programs. And this is because it's not only looking at your compliance to the requirements of ISO 56002, but it's verifying the innovation value outcomes. And if it's aligned with your strategic intent and your vision or not. Is there any positive trends? Is there any new smart and agile delivery process? Is there new customer experience journey and so on? So it's very important for any organization to implement a successful innovation uh, system. They have first to identify what kind of enablers they need and then identify how to embed the innovation culture then look at the standards requirements, align it with your strategic intent, vision, and, 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 and mission and strategic objectives, give the old support from time, from incentives, from tools to be used for budget as well, and then put um, um, an, uh, an effective innovation uh, KPI system to evaluate the performance of this. Again, I want to thank you uh, all for attending um, uh, our uh, webinar, and now I hand it over to Charlotte. Over to you, Charlotte. Thank you. Thank you, Karim, and uh, some great insight there on uh, the Kite Mark for Innovation Management System. So thank you very much for your insight as the Global Scheme Manager. So very briefly, before we go to Q&A, um, I'd just like to share with you how BSI can help. Um, and it, obviously, this is a very, very big topic. Um, there's an awful lot of uh, good work that's going on in this space. But just to set, uh, just to share some resources with you that might be of interest for whether you're leading an organisation or perhaps you're researching on behalf of those who are setting strategy. Um, there are two reports here that uh, were published earlier this year. Um, the one on the left is for uh, organizational resilience. It's our index report, which is unique to BSI, where we asked 500 organizations around the world to rate how they performed against a number of different criteria. And innovation was absolutely one of those. Um, on the right hand side, we have a BCI horizon scan report, which uh, we sponsor um, annually. And uh, we asked people about how they felt 2020 was and whether any risks have been reprioritized. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail because it does lead on to a, a question that I have for um, Raoul. Uh, but just to let you know, those are available. And then, of course, as I've mentioned previously, um, in addition to the BSI Kite Mark for innovation management, there are many, many ways in which BSI can help you, depending on where you are on your own innovation journey. Um, I'm just going to highlight a couple of things here. Um, PAS 440, for example, looks at responsible innovation, uh, might be of interest to people who are thinking about sustainable in innovation and good corporate governance. Um, and of course, if we're thinking specifically about digital technology, which we have discussed a lot today, um, then you may need to think about information cybersecurity, uh, data protection, and of course, BIM, building information modeling as well. So in a nutshell, we have many, many solutions that can help you. Um, it's really very much dependent on your own organization's particular need and what the challenges are that you may be facing and are looking to address. Great. So now I think we've just got time um, for a couple of questions uh, and we did have a few submitted in advance. So I'm, I'm going to start off uh, with these, if I may. So my first question uh, is for Raul. Um, and Raul, it's uh, a question around innovation and um, organizational resilience and horizon scanning. So all of those different elements. Um, why are they 
so connected. Do you have any views on that? Hi, <clears throat> hi Charlotte. Uh, thanks for asking the questions. Um, a really, really intelligent question. Um, um, if we look at, you know, in just plain language, you know, uh, we talked about we talked about businesses continuously looking at ways to 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 stay relevant, you know, stay you know, and increase resilience, and 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 therefore look at innovative ways of not only you know improving their customer experience or the product experience or their services, but, but you know all of those things. So, in my mind, yeah, absolutely, you know, resilience, horizon scanning, and innovation are tightly linked. In fact, uh, you know, horizon scanning in terms of uh, you know, and Karim talked about, you know, the strategic intent and then priorities as well. In terms of establishing your innovation priorities for your business, uh, you know, you need to have some insight, market insight, call it horizon scanning. You need to have a continuous feed of market insight, you know, in terms of emerging trends, in terms of emerging challenges, and pick up early signs, actually. And that ability to pick up early warning signs let me put it that way you know in terms of some of the risks that might be on the horizon and 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 change the course or you know maybe put measures in place in terms of um you know in terms of uh, increasing resilience business resilience in terms of staying relevant and on, on on the subject of relevance i mean we we look back in time you know look at kodak look at you know uh, Kodak versus, you know, you know, the Instagram story or, or you look at, you know, Blockbuster versus Netflix story or HMV versus Spotify story, for example. And there are many more, you know, you experience, but it's about staying relevant. It's about, you know, <clears throat> looking in the future. It's not about predicting the future. It's about looking at the emerging trends <clears throat> through horizon scanning continuously. And then, you know, uh, prioritizing your innovation <coughs> initiatives and efforts. And therefore, it's all about increasing resilience of your business. So they are all, you know, tightly linked. You know, horizon scanning supports you in terms of your business level strategy as well as innovation priorities and intent. And therefore, you know, both of them supports businesses to be resilient, well, to, 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 to increase resilience as well as stay relevant. So it's all linked, in my personal opinion, Charles. Absolutely. And I think the uh, the client need, the customer need, um, the additional value. What is it that people are looking for or asking for that uh, that could really make your organisation stand out uh, in yeah. such a competitive market as well? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, I now have a question for Karim. Um what is the difference in in your view between agility and resilience so we're taking it a little bit a little step further thank you uh, charles for the question actually uh, just um, i need to um, um, uh, explain what the resilience is as you, as you all know the resilience is how the organization is preparing to face any future uh, changes but when these changes happen the here the agility rule will be required to deal with these changes in a daily basis and have the speed to update, change, and take decisions. And this is actually will not happen if you don't have an innovation or innovative thinking uh, approach. And, uh, and I can, can you give you an example, the COVID-19 event, and a lot of changes have been happening in, in, in PSI, for example. PSI, we have a strong resilience system in place and business continuity plans as well. But when the COVID-19 came, it was actually, uh, we had a very good agility uh, 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 process and procedures to deliver our courses or training and assessment through, uh, remotely through uh, uh, ICT uh, tools and this is actually what was not going to happen if we don't have um, um, a strong agility system working day to day basis dealing with the changes so it's actually um, uh, agility and innovation it's a tools used to improve the resilience of any organization 
Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, and no doubt many people on today's webinar will have witnessed that firsthand um, themselves in how they've had to respond, uh, particularly with uh, with COVID, of course. And um, to what extent, this is another question for Karim, um, to what extent can uh, collaboration contribute to innovation? Collaboration is actually one of the most important uh, um, aspects and requirements when you're implementing innovation uh, system. Um, either you are implement open innovation technique or closed uh, innovation technique, because without your stakeholders' engagement, such as employees internally or uh, externally from your other external stakeholders, you will not be able to implement an innovation system because they are the, the source or the resource or the source of generating the ideas and also implementing this innovative ideas. That's why any organization needs to improve their uh, innovation system and uh, uh, their stakeholders' engagement. Uh, they need actually to have some collaboration or effective collaboration thinking approach uh, to lead, which will lead to uh, an effective innovation system. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, thinking about, I suppose this is taking collaboration to another level. Um, we have a question about how, how can you share innovation with the implementers? So the people um, on the ground, as it were, who don't necessarily have the same spirit and energy of innovators. So how do you bring, how do you bring those individuals with you uh, and get them, uh, get them behind whatever this new idea or new way of working might be? Um, that's actually one of the main subjects we have discussed today, which is innovation culture. Uh, first, the companies or the organization need to measure uh, their culture embedding practices that they are uh, implementing in the organization. Look at the gaps uh, related to embedding innovation culture and then act towards it might require incentive schemes or competency development might be or the stakeholder engagement because, you know, sometimes the organization uh, taking decisions without engaging their uh, employees which is lead to uh, lead that this employees will challenging the new changes. So it's good to first measure your innovation culture, check the gaps, work on it, put some corrective actions, and then after that we'll find that there is actually some improvement uh, from the stakeholder engagement internally. Absolutely. Thank you, Karim. Thank you. And, and getting people involved, basically, which is always a good thing. OK, so uh, I think that really does bring us to the end of today's session. I'm sorry we've not been able to answer all the questions, but we will be replying to those who have submitted. Um, and I would just like to thank um, Raul and Karim for your your brilliant insight and your observations. Um, and also, of course, to thank you, our audience, for joining us today. Um, do complete our survey at the end of the session to receive uh, some links and a copy of today's recording. And we very much hope that you will all be able to join us again very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Alice, for having us. Thank you.